All right. So here's the start. Here's the intro. Howdy, Brandon. Howdy, John. So we're trying to come up with a beginning, an intro, a start. And we read an email today and it was like, howdy. And then Brandon was like, I don't like that. I don't like how it says howdy. So then I was like, I'm going to use that for everybody. And then everybody's going to have to listen to howdy. So I'm going to say it one more time. Howdy. Howdy. The company's name was Howdy too. So that's why it stood out to me a little bit. It did stand out. Double take. The nice thing about what they're doing there for their sake is that they are one of the biggest challenges. You ever have, you ever have a company that you work with that you like, but you don't work with them very often. And then you have to, you try to go back to them like three months later and you can't remember what their name is all the time. You can't find them. <laughs> so you want to give them money, but you can't remember who to give money to. So then you can't find them. So they are, I think that's what they're playing there and it is working. It does work good because it really drills it into your brain. Howdy. I should start <laughs> off every email with my name, manly, manly drop at the beginning <laughs> of every email. That'd be pretty cool. So you should have started this podcast. Yeah. Why don't I do that today? Like on all the emails I sent, Manly Drop. I bet, Brandon, if you're copied in all my emails, my customers are so immune. They have such calluses of dealing with me. They probably, no one will call me out on it. I can say that to everybody. I can be like, Manly Drop, right at the beginning of all of my emails (laughs) and nobody will even question me. They'll be like, oh, okay. How about that server? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like with, what did you say, Bethilda or whatever you, the other day you were dealing with last week with that one guy. Bethilda, yeah. Brahilda, not Bethilda. Yeah. So I was going to give him a hard time. So yeah, one of the guys on my team came on, Jared, and he was like, oh, I have Joe on the other line. And I thought it was Joe that I know from one of our partners who we have an inside joke about Brahilda. And then Jared brought me on the phone and I'm like, Brahilda. And then he was like, <laughs> yeah, so those cameras. And then it wasn't Joe that I know that knows about Brahilda. <laughs> I think there's always two obviously approaches to that. One, you get all awkward and weird or two, you just own it. So of course (laughs) me being manly drop, I just owned it. So I stopped the entire conversation like 10 seconds in. I was like, I don't appreciate the fact that nobody has acknowledged the fact that I started this conversation off with Brahilda and we didn't even talk about it. Can't just go right into business. So we need to talk about the Brahilda. We got to acknowledge the Brahilda before I'm willing to go on. And then what did did the other Joe say? He did. He is. Yeah. I didn't know what you're talking about. And I said, talking about Brahilda. And then he understood. And then we moved on. <laughs> and then I got a lead. So it was closed that hey, day. And then they bought some stuff. So, you know, that's how you do. What? Yeah. Yeah. So just own it. You got it. Sometimes one of the things that I what like Jared is an example on my team. He gets a little nervous on the phone calls with people, especially people he doesn't know. Being on the phone is not really his first choice of activities. And I always... I always like to say really stupid things sometimes. And part of the reason I do that is one, I like to cause trouble. And two, I like to show the people that I work with that you don't have to worry exactly that much about what you say. The words don't matter. It sounding stupid doesn't matter. You just make the conversation, be real, be genuine, talk about your stuff, do a good job, be fast, be responsive, have some key points that you want to focus in on and then back up what you say. But if you want to throw in the occasional Brahilda or howdy, that's fine. What you got to do, right? right? Well, you do, man, but you do. All right, cool. Brandon, I think a good spot to start off here is let's talk about last week. Let's talk about any questions that you have that are still open, any success stories that we had, any challenges, any current projects that we're working on, all the blah, blah, blahs. Yeah, for sure. So I'll start out with, you always want to start with a success story, right? Build, break, build. It's like Um, the success story compliment sandwich thing, right? You start with a success story and then you have a middle, like this is what I did terribly. And then you end with another success. That way we both feel really good about it for a while. It's like the roller coaster of emotion and success. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I'll start off with the, I'll start off with Brahilda. 
right? All righty. I'll start off with the with the good story with Dave. My second, I believe Dave, I don't know if Dave was my first or my second ever customer. I believe second. So we were working on that Logitech hybrid workspace for him. I know we had the installation promo for that hybrid workspace in their office. Unfortunately, we were not able to move forward on that, which is not the end of the world. I was able to follow up with him via email. And although he wasn't looking to move forward on the Logitech, he did shoot me a call. What was really important about that, I didn't answer the call right off the bat. It took me a couple minutes because I stepped away from my desk, but I was able to get back to him, I think, within three or four minutes, which the first thing that he said to me when I picked up the phone was, wow, I really appreciate you getting back to me so quick, which, John, you and I have talked this is pretty much what your bread and butter and what you try and teach me every single day is responsiveness. Yes. Nobody's is nobody's responsive. We always talk that people suck. Not only is nowadays. no one responsive, but responsiveness has been the cornerstone of my entire career. Right. Faster than anybody. And you will win, right? Because especially in today's no world, man, people don't want to wait. And if they send a two request they send a request out to two people, one gets back in ten seconds, the other one gets back in four years. Who's going to win the business? And four years exactly. is dramatic, but it is not uncommon in the technology industry that they are waiting one, two, three, four days. I just had a quote for, this is just add-on licenses for, for one of my customers. And it took 21 calendar days to get the quote for some add-on licenses. Three weeks Wow. it took to get quote. Well, I've been waiting on a custom SKU for 90 laptops, and I've been waiting on it for over two weeks now. This is the problem. So when customers... When they know when you can truly position yourself that, hey, man, you send it over to me and I'll get it back to you and I'll at least get your response in a couple of seconds and I'll get you the accurate, fast information you don't have to ask me twice about. And they right. truly understand that and they are the right type of customer who appreciates phenomenal service and communication and speed and being able to move on with their day. Dude, you win every time. So. Go ahead, continue with your story about Dave, although I am disappointed that it took you three to four minutes. So one of the things, hold on, I'm going to say another thing here. I'm so obsessed about this that I have everybody set up with a VIP on my phone. And if I walk from my office to my kitchen, I bring my phone in my hand. And if somebody emails me halfway across my dining room, I stop and I respond to them before I get back to my computer because I don't want them waiting three to four minutes. But you're doing your best. So keep going. I'm doing my best. I was still unpacking. <laughs> hey, I was still unpacking boxes for moving back. But You still yeah. were unpacking boxes and now you've got some baggage to unpack too. I do have some bags. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, continue. Let's go. But yeah, so Dave, Dave reached back out to me, although he wasn't able to move forward. I think the Logitech, it was like, a, it wasn't, it was a pretty minuscule order, a couple thousand dollars, six, seven thousand dollar order or something like that. that yeah, we it was like a Logitech conference room system, wasn't yep. it? Whatever yep, happened exactly. with that, why didn't they buy it? He just, so they ended up looking for a different configuration. I think some different needs for what they were going to use it for changed a little bit. He didn't yeah. give me a hundred percent detail. I was still trying to reach out to him and see if there was anything that we were able to maybe hop on. So a we call haven't necessarily got to know on that. Is that a correct statement? Correct. We just haven't got, we yes. haven't had any progress correct. in the last. Yeah. So this was the very first opportunity, first quote request from this prospect. And I remember we gave him a really sweet configuration. We do a lot of the Logitech conference room solutions in general. Then they went silent for a few weeks. He reached back out. He said the config changed. The requirements of the configuration changed. Seemed like it stalled and we haven't heard back since then. So we've, I know you've reached out a few additional times and we'll continue to do. We'll also look to see when Logitech's quarter is a fiscal quarter is coming up to see if we can leverage that. Correct. And we'll also look to see if we have any, I'm not aware of any, but another nice thing to look there is to see if they have any primary generational changes that are mm -hmm. about to happen. 
uh, if there's any lead time, blah, blah, blah information that any piece of relevant information that when we reach out to him, we're not just reaching out to be like, Hey Dave, what's up with the conference room system? Checking exactly. in, touching base, all those things. So that's not what you want to do. You want to make sure that when you reach out to Dave, he appreciates the fact that he answered the call. He benefits from exactly. having the conversation from you. And if he walks away benefiting from the conversation, he will always answer your call. And you never exactly. have to be like, hey, do you have a minute? Because of course he has a minute because he's excited they talk to you because you're going to give them something of right. value. And even at this point, you've preempt, told me to always preempt them with an email, which yes. specific because everybody's every single salesperson in technology is cold calling. Yes. And I've well, was fortunate. I didn't say every not every person. I would say a heavy every chunk. salesperson who has any intention of succeeding and taking control over their level of success understands the importance of co-calling. There you go, John. <laughs> to be nitpicky with, my, <laughs> with our classifications I get it. there. That's what you do. Uh, yes, but there are many people who are doing cold call. There are countless. Right. There, there is a lot of white noise. And just to room. piggyback off of what you were saying before, too, reaching out with a purpose every single time, yes. that's one thing that I've noticed from just my start in this that has really been effective from me. Dave has even said to me that he appreciates that we don't bombard him, that we reach out to him with a reason, with a purpose. We have value in behind what we say. So when I sent him the email then, obviously he wasn't interested in the Logitech hybrid work conference, which that's not the end of the deal. Fortunately enough for us, that turned into a quote for 28 laptops. So it was like a $32,000 quote. I think that ended up turning into just because we'd reached out with a purpose. We're not just calling to, like you said, touch base or check in and see well, where his head's what at. It is because he was it's happy. Big thing. Here's a nice thing about this scenario in general, right? When you have the right type of customer, this is all goes into identifying your ideal customer profile, which was a term I coined and used before it was popular, by the way. I always used to say ideal customer, well, customer profile. profile. And then I started seeing it all over LinkedIn. ICP, what is ICP? And I Google and it's ideal customer profile and I'm taking my stuff, right? So <laughs> now I'm not as overjoyous to use the same term, but it is a really accurate definition or way of saying it. Who is your ideal customer that's going to buy off of you and turn into a long-term high ROI, good relationship, somebody you can work with for a long time. But here's the point of my story here is somebody like Dave, a good customer, a good mentality type of customer say the logitech didn't work out he didn't give us a specific reason my best guess my best assumption on that is one it hasn't gone anywhere they changed the requirements they changed the scope which also changed the urgency and they don't really know what they need and why they need it so it's just stalling right now but dave feels bad for you because you did everything you said you were going to do. You did a great job. He'd like to form that partnership with you. He'd like to work with you. And it just leads to that easy reciprocation that, hey, he's not branded, not wasting my time. Every time he called with a purpose, I wasn't able to give him this one that I was planning on sending his way. So I wonder if he can help me out with something else, which is actually a much larger opportunity than the first one. So that's a beautiful way to start a relationship. Something going wrong, sometimes that's losing a quote, losing an order, or sometimes it's FedEx throwing a box over the fence. Sometimes something going yeah. wrong is often one of the best ways to start a relationship with a customer. It right. really speeds things along. Well, especially being a technology VAR too, right? Because if a com or if a customer is placing an order for in a situation, laptops, right? Companies like HP and Dell, they all have a fuzzy sense of why why they're doing business and that type of thing so their products and their brands don't necessarily symbolize anything about the people who are using their equipment so that from 
just a business perspective and trying to earn business with customers versus, hey, do I want to buy from Avar? Do I want to buy from HP or Dell directly? Because we have a sense of why and why we're doing this. That's why customers just really appreciate our help because you, you HP know, and Dell, it's more of a just transactional sale where we well, talked you know about difference. in our original episode is the relationship-based. The main difference, and there's good relationship-based people at all the companies and all the OEMs, including HP and Dell. But I will tell you this, the main difference between a VAR, value-added reseller, and this is why was well, one of the main reasons that I work for a value-added reseller and not a manufacturer or not an OEM. And this is good advice for anybody who's getting into technology. Is when you sell for, I'll use Dell or HP as an example, because that's what we mentioned, or whatever, Sophos, CrowdStrike, it doesn't matter. Cisco, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. When you work for a manufacturer, your job is to sell that manufacturer solution. So your number one goal, your number one purpose, your number one intent in life is to sell a specific type of solution. Not by default, your number one goal cannot be the customer and whatever the ideal fit is for your customer, because it has to be, you sell one thing, you sell one pool of family of products. When you work for Evar, you have unlimited choices. I don't care what they buy, as long as it's the best solution for them. The customer relationship is more important than the solution that they buy. If they don't like Dell, then I can make sure that I can talk to them about other options. If they don't like CrowdStrike, I can talk to them about Sofa. If they don't like whatever, I have infinite options. And my job is to make sure that I match the information and the requirements and the need with the best solution in the technology industry today. And that's really important from a customer establishing long-term customer relationships is that we can be 100% agnostic about what we recommend just based on the requirements for the customer and what's best for them or nothing. We don't have the best thing. ERP solutions would be an example of that because it's not our strength. So I'll just be like, no, we're not the best people for you. I had somebody ask me that last week and so I was like, I'm do. not your guy, man. Go somewhere else because I'm not your guy. I'm not going to try to wedge my foot into getting an opportunity for the sake of getting an opportunity because no deal and this, no deal, regardless of size, is worth losing a customer over. I always make sure that your solution is the best or find a better solution or pass on the deal. Go ahead. One thing. Yeah, I was say one thing that really stood out for me and I want to pull this up too because it was from the book that I was reading start with why one quote that really stood out to me and it's the amount of market research that there's it just talks about market research that reveals that the amount of people that want to do business with the company that offers the best quality products with the most features the best service all at a good price of course everybody wants that is and the data that backs that and proves that to be true is astronomical but consider the companies with like, for example, we always talk about loyalty. Consider the companies with the highest and the greatest loyalty. When do they ever have all of those things? The best price, the best service, the best product, the best features, et cetera. It just doesn't happen. And I think me starting my career here and in this position, working as a technology bar, having all the resources at our fingertips that we do have, I think that's one thing that we're really able to try and leverage with our relationships and really try and use that to our advantage. I'm not sure necessarily what you think about that, but I think that's a really interesting point. It is because when you can understand, so this is one of the questions that I get a lot from people when they start off, including you. And I get this question a lot. This is the most common question that I get from folks when they start off. Is what do I sell or what do I talk about? What kind of, what, what's the best things for me to lead with? What's my best sell solution, my best niches? 
what's the softest, whatever term, lowest hanging fruit, easiest doorway, blah, blah, blah. All what basically what do I talk about? What do I try to sell to customers? And I always my way of describing this is always, and I didn't say it as refined as Simon does in in the book you're reading, but what are the main things that I always hit on? I always hit on why, what are the, if I have to look at an ideal customer profile, what are the biggest challenges they're going to be having today that I can fix? Why would they be willing to try me? Why would they be willing to break status quo and try and work with somebody that they have not had a history with? What would be the biggest problems that they're going to be dealing with, the biggest headaches that they're going to be challenged with? None of these at an IT director, manager, help desk type of level are going to be solution-driven. They already have a vendor for the tier one, tier type solutions that they have that I'm going to use as a gateway, right? So why are they going to work with somebody they haven't worked with before? And that's where I focus on. Generally, that's just the core day-to-day customer service, responsiveness, communication, like you said, responding in minutes, getting back to people super fast, never having to ask them twice, calling with a purpose, intentionally having intelligent, value-added conversations. And that's the basis of, which I, which I why I appreciate the book that you read. I haven't read that book, by the way. I need to read it. Awesome. Why I appreciate the synopsis of the book, though, is everything starts with why. If you can understand why the customers want why they buy, where they buy, and why are they going to be satisfied or unsatisfied? And you can build your entire core message and value and the action to back you up around those key messages. The solution will sell itself. Exactly. It's literally just the exact opposite way of thinking that everybody in traditional day-to-day, not even sales, just life, thinks. And that kind of ties into, like we were saying before, loyalty. Loyalty is when people are willing to turn down those better products, those better prices, strictly because everything else that you have to offer with that, you know, that's right. your service, everything else falls right into place. Not especially, easily one, obviously. Especially, man, using like technology as an example, right? Because you talked about better products, right? As an example. So in most of the tier one, tier type two type stuff, Mostly everything's a commodity. Unless right. you know, the analogy, I was, it's like Ford versus Chevy. There's not really any difference between an HP computer and a Dell computer and a Lenovo computer because the guts don't come from them anyway. It's all Intel stuff and an ASUS motherboard or whatever it is. It's like a, it's, I had an F-150 a few years ago from Ford as Black Ops. It was a cool truck. On the outside, it was a cool truck. On the inside, it was literally, a, I looked identical to every other pickup that you'd see the inside of, right? It was like the same radio and the same steering and the same column and the same everything. Everything was not even from them. It was this all template in. So with using that from a technology perspective, customers will call me and unless they've been burned by Dell or by HP, or example, they've had a bad history with them from a support perspective because that's against with why, right? The product is irrelevant for the most part. It takes a really, I use chat GPT today. Right. It takes a revolutionary product that customers are willing to be like, oh, wow, this is amazing. No matter what the background experience is, this is an incredible product that nothing has ever comp- competed with. And that won't be long for ChatGPT. Within 12 to 24 months, they're going to have a lot. They already have, they're starting to have some with Google Bard, but that's going AI, generative, generative AI, text based AI is going to become a commodity product within the next few years. So ChatGPT, uh, OpenAI has a very short window of time here where service doesn't really matter. This is a weakness of Tesla, in my opinion, by the way. And I like Tesla. I have two of them. And I love their product. 
And they were by far the industry leader when it came to, I've always thought the nice thing that Tesla did, electric is cool, but the nice thing that Tesla did really is that they are the first people, the first company that I've ever seen that has built a car around a computer instead of the other way around. Normally, historically, manufacturers built a car and then they try to figure out a way to put some technology into it from a computer basis. And Tesla was the exact opposite. It was revolutionary from a technology perspective, but their customer service, their customer experience tends to be a bit challenged. So they got to work on that because as electric vehicles and computer technology interwoven with each other becomes more common, they're going to lose that really distinctive competitive edge. So I went on a rant there about why, but it is important from a customer <laughs> experience perspective. No, you're good. I just want to tell, ask you, I guess we'll veer a little bit off track here because you're talking about Tesla and the technology yeah. behind that. Did you hear about Tesla's nowadays, or not even nowadays, just in comparison to other cars in the market, like Buick, for example, has been one of the safest cars forever. Did yeah. you see the story or hear read the story about the family that fell like from a 100 or 200 foot cliff and their car got completely crunched, but they all walked walked no, skate free. It was no, a Tesla? No, it was a Tesla. Just the oh, model, no, model S. That. Is that the base model, right? Yeah. The well, S? the the of the the S is the high end sedan. So starting at the bottom. It was a sedan. Uh, yeah. So you have the Model Three, which is like your entry level sedan. Then you have the Model Y, which is the SUV crossover, and then right. you have the S, which is the luxury sedan, and then you have the X, of course, and then you put them all together. Gotcha. You got that sexy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a guy. What a guy. But yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was the S or the three though. It was 100% the sedan. I just, yeah. obviously, they, I don't remember which have, one. Teslas have always, remembered, Teslas have always done a phenomenal job. I think most, if not every one of their models, maybe three of the four have been the safest ranked model of that class. It's unreal. In history. And it is, and they are remarkably durable. It's just by the definite, by the way that they design them, and it's incredible. The Cybertruck is an interesting thing to me because the Cybertruck has no frame, so the body is the frame, right? So I can understand why it's polarizing from the design. I can understand why people hate it. But one Tesla, I thought it was a genius marketing move because while Rivian will looks like to be a probably a cool truck, I'm not one. I'm not confident the company is going to survive. And two, it doesn't really stand out. Besides the headlights and the taillights, it doesn't really stand out from a visualization perspective. And when you're looking to disrupt, I'll tell you this, talking about our topic of why, this is one of the things that Tesla and Musk did really well here. I thought this was their most genius thing that they did with trucks. They understand the why of most pickup owners. Most pickup owners are incredibly loyal to whatever pickup they buy. If you got a guy that's, a, and you know this, if you're being Wisconsin, right? You, you know this, there's a lot of pickup people and somebody drives a Ford and they would never drive a Chevy or they drive a Chevy and they right. would never drive a Ford. They make lots of jokes found on road dead or whatever variation of the joke <laughs> is about the bashing of the other one, even though mostly the interior and the guts are the same, they're very loyal to their brand. And Tesla knew, they understood the why. They understood that if they came in with an equal truck that might be cooler in some aspects, they're not going to break that status quo. That why is not, the reason to break the why is not going to be strong enough. You had to come in with something that was absolutely revolutionary from a design and from a looks and from an aesthetics perspective. And I think the Cybertruck does that. And I, like I said, I understand it's polarizing. I think it's amazing. I'm excited. I've been on the waiting list since day one. And maybe I'll get my truck sometime this maybe. year or next year. But I am excited to get it. But I thought Tesla did a really genius move with that one. And yeah, I'm excited to I'm excited to see it, man. I agree. It all ties back into what we were talking about today, too. If you ask businesses why their customers are their customers, 
most are going to tell you that it's back to superior quality, their features, their prices, the service that they have with it. Hold on. I'm going to go on another rant. I'm excited. Do I think of when you're talking? I put it on a tee for you. Swing away. Right. It's going to be. Swing for the fences. You You said businesses understand the why. It's funny going back to mentoring people and helping people. Anytime people call me, I get a lot of calls, right? People call me and they're like, oh, what do I do? What do I sell? How do I talk? First question, I'm always like, the first question I always ask is, why do your customers buy from you? Why do your customers buy from you? I'm going to say it again. Why do your customers buy from you? That is the number one most important question that you need to have a very clear cut answer for and clarity in your brain for. And I would say 50% of the time when I ask people, salespeople, they don't know. They don't, they, this is a question they haven't put little or no thought into. Cause I'm like, well, give me three reasons why customers, why do customers buy from you? Give me three reasons. I've asked that question 10,000 times in my life. If you don't know the three reasons people buy from you, if people, if you think that people are buying from you because of the product you sell, you need to figure out a better reason. <laughs> Because the product is irrelevant because nobody's going to buy the product if everything, if the why behind it, if the experience, if everything that you do, if the communication, if the responsiveness, if the solution, if all of these things are not in place to address the customer's why, the solution isn't good enough in most scenarios, right? So why? Have three reasons why and make them as personal to you, not your company, make them as personal to you, right? Why have customers appreciated working with you, the solution that you have provided? What's the experience been and use stories to show that experience to them and explain the why and illustrate or showcase the why. Sorry, I got excited because I thought about that question that I, when you were talking, I was like, oh, I have something to talk about here because I get excited about my stuff. You're good, dude. You're good, dude. No, I, it's a great st- subject to talk about. I want to piggyback off of what you were saying, what you were saying, even too, and the companies you were saying that you always would ask, give them three things or give you three things why yes. people buy from you or why customers buy from you. Out of those three, even with the odds still being probably over ninety percent of them, the three reasons revolving around price, features, or service. Not actually digging deep into the sense of why they're doing it. And if com- if companies don't even know why their customers are their customers, how do they even know why their employees are their employees at the end of the day? It that's all goes very, hand in hand. That's a very hand. accurate statement. Really and truly. I don't know how else people are supposed to figure it out. And if they don't even have a sense of why, or if sales reps don't even have a sense of why, how is that supposed to be reciprocated over to your customer? Or if they're not a customer, your prospect, who you're trying to make your customer? This is, since we're talking about starting with why, I think this would be a, this is a good thing to really sink our teeth in here. This is the problem. This is the challenge. If you sit through, and you sat through a lot as a as a new person over here. If you sit through a vendor training, a manufacturer training, PowerPoint, whether a presentation, whatever it is, here is the number one challenge that you see constantly. Technology. The first forty eight slides have nothing to do with why. It's a whole lot about here's our awards and here's our certifications and here's what all the wonderful things that we do and here's all the data sheets and here's all the white papers and here's all the stuff. And at no point did you actually say anything about why do I care about all this? Nobody cares, man. Why do I care? Why do I care enough to buy your product or allocate more time to what you're doing? And 
anytime you're designing a conversation, a PowerPoint, I hate PowerPoint, it's not something I use, but anytime you're doing a webinar, anytime you're doing a customer interaction, right? It's funny, I've had customers ask me to do a PowerPoint. Literally, they're like, oh, do you have a PowerPoint that you can do? Or can we have a call where you can go through a PowerPoint? I tell them, no, I don't. Because PowerPoints are useless information that are description-based only, non-tailored information to any large degree. And you have to build so much just pointless data that's not relevant to telling a story. And I'm a story-based, relationship-based guy. I'm going to tell you a story. Talk about stories. Like eight years ago, I had a referral to a customer and he called me and his name is Omar. And he called, I didn't know he was going to call me. He called me, oh, hey, John, Alex referred me to you and I'm an IT manager. Tell me why I should buy from you. And I was like, no, I don't know anything about you, Omar. You, if you called me. Take three minutes and explain a little bit about your company, your position, what you guys do today to day, and what are the challenges that you're facing today that were painful enough for you to take the time to call a random salesperson. Then I will give you a tailored reply. Right. And he was blown away. It was like, you're the first salesperson that has ever declined just randomly or selling pitching to me. I'm not in the pitching game, man. I need to understand why, going back to why, right? I need to understand why you called me. What's the biggest challenge that you're facing today that was painful enough of a headache that you're like, let me call a sales guy. Let me initiate a new conversation with a salesperson. And then he did explain it. And we had a really good conversation and he turned into a really good customer, but it went back to that. And that, at that point he tried to stick, he tried to skip over the why, right? He, and you got to be careful that you don't get pulled into that excitement because you have to keep the conversation framed because if you don't, he's going to feel like what's, what would be the right reward here? Caller's remorse afterwards. If we put, if we progress too far good without the, the foundation to support the progress we made, he's going to start questioning the progress that we've made and he's going to get hesitant to continue to move forward with me. But if I take the excitement and the enthusiasm and I can properly put a contextual frame around it that supports it in his mind and now connected the dots so he can actually see that it makes sense. Now I remove those future objections in his brain that come up and he's like, no, we're going to go for it. And then he did. And he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars with me. Um, that, yeah, tra that transitions to into the point of view you always tell me six months turns into six years really fast. Yes, it does. And starting with why is so important because a lot of not even just salespeople, but just businesses as a whole and people in general really confuse, I guess not people in general, more so on the business side of stuff, confuse loyalty for repeat business. Loyalty is when people aren't going to research the competition, aren't even going to think about entertaining anybody. Right. Repeat business, all it takes to earn more repeat business is more manipulation, whether that's through advertising, whether that's through direct selling. That's all it really is at the end of the day. And loyalty, earned loyalty comes back to the sense of why we're doing this. And that all ties in, like you were saying, with somebody reached out to you, you ended up getting a referral. And because you touched on why, you actually were able to build an emotional appeal with the customer right. other than, hey, I'm a tech guy. Here's some computers. Here's some hardware. That's right. And that really is, that's what's helped you propel your career and get you into the position that you're at today is because you are different. You understand how effective earned loyalty is and how much you can leverage that in what we do. I agree with you so much that on the homepage of my site, earned loyalty is a better contract than any signed piece of paper will ever be. To your point that it you is. just made, a repeat customer that is just using you out of per se convenience or habit. 
status or quo spite. or spite, whatever it is. <laughs> Mostly when you're in technology, most of the time the customers are using whoever they're using because it happens to be whoever they're using. It's convenient. It's, it's status quo. And I would question the actual fact accuracy of the term convenient there. They think it's convenient. It seems easiest because it's status quo. It's actually not convenient and it's not e easier because of all the challenges they have to deal with in the background because it's a sub subpar service and experience that they get. But is it actually easier for them than going out and trying a new salesperson who's statistically also going to be a subpar option? So they think it's either status quo is your biggest challenge in this industry, but it's not loyalty, right? When I call into a customer prospect, if I have a conversation and they genuinely tell me, oh, I have a great rep at CDW. I've been using him for 17 years. Same person. He's phenomenal. He's awesome. He's amazing. He's incredible. And I genuinely believe that. And I'll probe around a little bit. We'll have a good conversation. And I'll look for other areas that maybe the person's not handling Dell or something like that, that the CDW rep's not that gaining. And then I'll position myself off the positivity of that rep. But my point of my statement is if that rep covers everything or the areas that they cover and they do a phenomenal job, I move on. It is not my goal, intent, or feasible or tenable or in any way obtainable to get a customer, a loyal customer, to break what works well and to break a relationship. You will never get a loyal customer to change based on another sales pitch, which is the exact opposite of so many people. This is the exact problem with pitching price, right? So many people pitch mm -hmm. price. You're never going to be the cheapest for very long, even if you could be the cheapest one or two times. And who wants to do 800 quotes to try to win something occasionally? This is why I stay away from sled for the most part. But yeah. I know we're getting a long time into the long time into the minutes here. What should we close with? What should we talk about? What did we hit on? So we hit on Dave. We had a customer loyalty. We heard a call, hit on calling with a purpose and making sure. And you took the opportunity to take a, a lost opportunity, at least a stalled opportunity, called with a purpose on that, and then transformed that into a much larger opportunity for some client machines. That's a really great one. And we really spent a long time focusing on starting with the why. Uh, the why and the what, actually, I think is more important than just the why. And having a Agreed. crystal clear understanding of why do your customers buy from you? What is the challenge that they're facing today that's actually going to make them care about what you're saying? And how the do what you for the customer, the why for us. That's is, right. That's right. Exactly. That's so, that's so beautifully said, Brandon. Beautiful words from a beautiful man. Thanks, um, John. <laughs> Too bad I don't have a beautiful beard. Let's do it. Let's do the next week. And then next week, we'll hit on the all the new stuff that we're running to over the next, what, 168 hours. 168. Yeah, that, Actually, yeah it's pretty accurate. 166.5 hours because we start at 8 o'clock on Monday morning. So There you go. And we'll, if it's helpful for anybody who's listening to this too, we can put the description or the title of the book that we we're referring to and talking about today because I mentioned a couple quotes that I got from that. It's called Start With Why. It's by Simon. His last name starts with an S. I Simon, Simic? I don't know yes. how to pronounce it. Yep. Simic? Yep, yep, S-I-M-E-K? Yep. yep, correct. Is it Simic? Simic? I don't know. <laughs> I know I'm riling somebody up here who knows this guy's name really. How do you say his name? Simic and Simic. Manly Drop. If this re yeah, Manly Drop. If this reaches a broad enough <laughs> audience, I'm sure you'll have somebody barking up telling you how to pronounce it. Oh yeah. I'm mean, either way. I don't. I, I like Simon, and he he has a really good. The beauty of Simon, in general, in my opinion, is Simon breaks things down very fundamentally and very. He understands how to take complex topics and break them down very simply. So that not only Correct. are they easily understandable, 
but he's able to take what seems to be a very complex thing and break it down to be like a very simple core principle. Because salespeople, man, they love to overcomplicate things, right? They won't know the right. answer to the question, start with why, what's the three reasons? Because they won't know that answer. But then they want to come to me with 800 billion different variables. What about this scenario? What about this one? And all these things, like those guys at Home Depot that we talked about last week, right? What about all these different variables that I can try to make this a thing? No, keep it simple, man. Understand right. the core principles of that. And Simon does that really well. I right. appreciate it, dude. Good talking with you, Brandon. Good talking with you.